Throughout our life, we make all kinds of connections. From our neighbors to our co-workers, from family members to people we interact with in business every day. What about the connections we make to ourself? Today, we'll explore the connections that we make and how they define our lives. This is Things Worth Considering with hosts Gord Riddell and Dr. Jan Hill. It's time to listen and learn. Hello, and welcome back to another edition of Things Worth Considering. It's a weekly show about connections with others and about connecting to ourselves. Uh, I'm your host, Gord Riddell, and I'm here with my always questioning but splendiferous co-host, Dr. Jan Hill. Woo-hoo. Hey, Jan. Hi. It's great doing? to be splendiferous. <laughs> I'm splendiferous. Do you like being that? I do. I thought that was such a one of one of the very apropos ones. That I'm were. I'm wondering if splendiferous and questioning are somehow counter, like are juxtapositioned in some way. Well, it, each one they they just offset. Okay, because yeah. it was questioning. Otherwise, it becomes very stressful for me to keep coming up with this language. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I only went to grade three. Okay. Thesaurus. Uh, good week. Oh yeah. Crazy. Yes, but good crazy. Okay. Like good. completing things crazy. Yeah. Which is my favorite kind of crazy. All right. All mm-hmm. right. So, you know, last week we did this show on boundaries, which got some interesting reactions to mm-hmm. it, uh, which I, I thought was interesting because some people, uh, you know, really agreed with how important boundaries are. And others thought that they're highly overrated and it just made people completely unapproachable. You mean people who have boundaries are unapproachable? People who have boundaries are unapproachable um, and rigid. Well, then I would say, you know, that people who, who are rigid in their boundaries might just be the rigid boundary people that we talked about that needed to relax uh, a little. You know, I mean, they could be, but, you know, people who really don't have boundaries, they're very upset when they run into people who do have boundaries. That is true as well. Because they don't get what they want. That's right. Yeah. So the boundaries get, can cause... You know, fantastic things to happen, but it can also cause nasty things to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, when you're not getting your own way, let's let's face it, people get very upset uh, when suddenly, for the first time, maybe you say no, mm-hmm. and they're like, "What?" Because you're changing the rules. Uh, yes, exactly, and, and we don't like didn't changing want the rules. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I just smiled at both both camps, you know, whether it was the, the, the no boundaries, the boundaries are good camp, and I said absolutely to both of them. They're looking at me like, what? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. do you ever get stressed, though? Do I get It was st- stressful doing that little piece. <laughs> do, I, do, do you ever get stressed? Uh, yeah, I get stressed, but you know, I'm a meditator, right? So I'm never stressed for long. Okay. I just stop, do a deep breath, and then kind of move along and just kind of... Oh, we're going to talk about that one a little bit later. About the right. fact that you even stop. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, okay, so I want you to picture it, okay? June the 6th, 1983. Now, there's a little blast from the past. I wasn't even Time Magazine's that. cover story called Stress the Epidemic of mm-hmm. the 80s. Mm-hmm. And it referred to it as our leading health problem. Uh, there can be little doubt that the situation has probably gotten progressively worse. Much worse. I'm going to vote for gone. You know, gone to hell in a handbasket, basically. Yep. Um, all kinds of surveys have been done um, with adults, Americans, uh, Canadians, and they perceive that uh, we're all under stress, you know, much, much more than we were a decade or two ago. Now, by the way, this article is coming up to 40 years ago. Yeah. So it's like 36 years ago. Yeah. So if we had a decade a or two, time. this is like four decades. So mm-hmm. I think there's a lot has happened, uh, you know, for us that you know, produce a lot of stress. Um, 
what, 70, uh, or 96, I mean, Prevention Magazine, which is an excellent magazine, uh, a survey found that 75% feel that they have great stress, great stress, yeah. one day a week, uh, but one out of three indicated that they feel this was more like twice a week. Yeah. That's a lot. I would say. Like, to, to, to define it as great stress, yeah. all right? Now, you know, before I go any further, I just really want to put in here that not all stress is bad. Mm-hmm. You know, there's good stress. Uh, 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 you know, I want to be stressed enough that when I am, you know, bouncing across the street and a car comes careening around the corner, I want to have enough stress to get the hell out of the way, mm-hmm. you know, and not be taken out by the car. That requires a certain amount of awareness, a certain amount of stress. I would call that point. actually motivation. When it's good stress and it fuels you, then I would call that motivation. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But, you know, I mean, performers, musicians, even talk show hosts uh, want to have enough stress in order to give them focus, in order to give them presence, uh, and, you know, keeps keeps people on the ball. Mm-hmm. Now, if that goes out of whack, though, then you get into one of the most debilitating areas, especially for a performer, um, is stage fright. Mm-hmm. And stage fright is Freeze. just... Uh, Oh, yeah, like a total, total freeze. Uh, you know, panic attack. Uh, um, it, can be, it can be quite awful what happens, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, um, uh, you know, you look at, you know, a voice like Barbara Streisand, who was, you know, I just think is one of the, you know, the most amazing voices ever. And to think that she did not perform publicly because of stage fright. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it wasn't until actually when we get into about mm, coming almost into the 2000s that she actually started to perform again, or late 1990s. And what was it that enabled her to finally go back? Do you know? Therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I should find one. Um, the, uh, yeah, therapy. She, she did a lot of therapy uh, over it. Now, in the meantime, she's doing movies and she's recording. But she's just not doing it in front of live audiences, mm-hmm. um, which is unfortunate, you know, because mm-hmm. uh, I have seen her live and, and she is really, you know, quite a phenomenal, phenomenal presence. Um, there's, there's some other uh, really interesting, uh, you know, performers who really have suffered over the years from, you know, stage fright to the point of it's so debilitating that it really interrupts their career. Mm-hmm. And if that's your job, mm-hmm. you know. You know, I mean, I think most people know this, but uh, that people in in the scheme of all the fears of the world, the stress, that speaking in public is more frightening than the thought of dying. Mm-hmm. I would have thought that dying would have been Dying is second, and fear of clowns is third. So you're in big <laughs> trouble if you're giving your own eulogy in a clown outfit. Oh, my God, yeah, you know. In front of a whole group of people. Yeah, a whole group of people dressed as clowns. Uh, <laughs> You'd be pretty messed up. I'm Mandy Amigdala would be like, <laughs> get out of here, <laughs> run. Um, I'm getting a really interesting image of all this here. I'm going to go home and try this. Um, <laughs> so, you know, uh, as I said, you know, the, the, the stress, <laughs> which is good, it's actually, it's actually called uh, eustress, E U. S-T-R-E-S-S, eustress. And that means good stress. Mm-hmm. And stress means bad stress, which usually means distress. There's some sort of distress involved right. uh, when, we, when we get into that kind of thing. So, well, you know, what we're talking about is not about being stress-free, all right? Um, but I think that what's happened, you know, with uh, the whole uh, area of just trying to educate people around stress is we've become immune to it. 
Oh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm stressed. It's, it's, it's just such an overworked word, you know. Mm-hmm. The, you know, th- this whole thing of sort of like uh, a burnout with words and so on in, in, in public education um, uh, campaigns happened in, with AIDS. Uh, that there was a there was a time when you know people like really you know went by the book and did did what was was told, but then it was like they called it condom fatigue, mm-hmm. and the the you know the very people who had basically survived that part mm-hmm. of the epidemic were suddenly becoming infected. Mm-hmm. You know they had just simply tuned out the the fact that mm-hmm. you know if you did not have you know, now things are different. Uh, uh, you know, we have treatment and we have the the uh, the absolute understanding and well tested of, of the, you know, undetectable untra- un- is untransmittable. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, I, I just sort of see that correlation happening here with stress. Well, I think that's part of the adaptation of the just the human being in general, right, is is as things, as we become more conscious of something or as we become more actually, um, you know, aware of something that's in our present day, it's more normalized and we just sort of ignore it and, and or we don't take it as seriously, right? Yeah. It's kind of like the opposite of the hedonic effect, right? Where it's, you're like, oh, I really want the corner office. And then you work your ass off, you get the corner office and you go, you know, it's really hot in here. later, it's like, oh, <laughs> You know, I forgot I wanted this office, right? Now you're on to the next thing. It's kind of like the reverse of that. We just adapt, right? right? And then we go right. back to our level of uh, of whatever it is that, you know, our happiness level is or our frustration. Well, level. you know, I mean, I think what you're saying, though, that really mm-hmm. feeds into, too, um, when people do do something about, you know, sort of stress or whatever, um, or they don't. But mm-hmm. when we develop pain, when we develop pain, whether it's emotional or spiritual or mm-hmm. physical, and we don't address that we don't say you know why does this exist here um, then that becomes our new norm mm-hmm. and we simply adapt yeah. to having a leg pain all the time mm-hmm. or a, a minor headache or whatever mm-hmm. uh, uh, our I mean that's what you know what makes humans just so amazing just totally amazing is our ability to adapt right not, and often not to good things though well right because we have the term chronic stress right yes. which is basically say you know it's Another way of saying, this is the stress I feel because I've adapted to it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not doing anything to change it. And I think, you know, your point earlier, too, about there's a conflation of sort of terminology, right? Like, what is stress? And stress, I think, refers Mm. to a very specific response in the body, right? Where the amygdala is firing. It's busy, busy saying, fight or fight, fight, but get out of here. And you're measuring. Well, the hypocampus and the the adrenal, uh, you know, and the uh, pituitary, Mm -hmm. that whole, that's a major setup that has to be fired off. Yeah, and it's all in line, right? But I think what happens happens is in our culture now is we refer to concern, frustration, worry, um, a whole bunch of other sort of conditions of being, states of self as stress. And so it becomes stress becomes this big umbrella term, right? Huge. And yeah. 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 Which is, which again, you know, that just, we just begin to tune it out because, you know, the, the reality is that stress kills. Stress is responsible um, for between 75 and 90 percent of all visits to our general family doctor. I believe it. You know, I believe if it. If you look at everything from cardiac disease, you know, this is barring genetics, uh, cardiac disease to immune deficiencies, uh, right across the board, that stress plays a major, major role. Because stress doesn't just 
you know, make us tired. You know, it makes us tired, but it makes us tired mentally mm-hmm. and emotionally and, you know, all of those things. Uh, and that, that becomes then a really, really big problem mm-hmm. when, you know, most of, most of the things that kill us, you know, are especially the number one, number two, number three uh, causes of death are lifestyle related, mm-hmm. and and lifestyle meaning stress related. Right. Yeah. Right. I think I think calling it lifestyle related is a very nice way of saying, well, you really didn't take care of yourself, did you, dude? Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Right. <laughs> You're at the end here, um, and we're sort of bedraggled as we drag ourselves into, uh, uh, you know, into the doctor's office. But but you know, what, sort of what what uh, what stresses people, you know. Because you've got children, you've got teenagers, you've got college students, and you've got the elderly, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so there's all kinds of stuff. Uh, you know, I don't know, it depends on where you live, but increased crime, violence, uh, threats to your personal safety. Mm-hmm. I think that would be very stressful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know? And just the, again, it goes back to, I think, urbanization, right? Where, where so many of us, with so many different cultural values and personal values, Right. Potentially yeah. in conflict with one another, um, you know, or <laughs> not, not even conflict, but just something that we might find confusing about, you know, the people that we might be sitting next to on the subway or, you know, whatever, just our daily interactions with people. Right. People are confusing enough, but it's, um, you know, we just all thrown together in this big pot in our big urban centers uh, that are overcrowded. And, you know, yep. And we're trying to have a life and we're trying to maintain our own traditions mm-hmm. and we're trying to stay away from your traditions yeah. and driving you know, through traffic. Oh, tra- <laughs> yeah. I, I think I mentioned something about that down yeah. the road here. People with different <laughs> That's driving early. styles and all sorts of craziness, right? Yeah. 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 Well, how was your traffic jam getting here? Oh my gosh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> my GPS sent me on some crazy roads and you know, it was, it was an exercise in trust, right? Cause I don't, trust those things <laughs> no exactly but i made it <laughs> uh, so other other stressors like peer pressure mm-hmm. you know which can end up leading uh, kids into uh, uh substance abuse and other unhealthy lifestyles uh, you, you know even living in a big huge city mm-hmm. tons of people social isolation and loneliness are right up there at the top mm-hmm. uh as being horribly stressful uh, given given our need to connect to people, um, the erosion of family, the nuclear family, and religious uh, ties and values, uh, which is you know in the past has played a huge huge role in, mm-hmm. in our society. Yeah, uh, those 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 are all going away. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, uh, one of the big you know one of the biggest stress busters that there is is social support. Right. And we're losing it. Yeah. And that's the conundrum, right? That's kind of the paradox is when you feel like I can't go out into the stressful world because it's too stressy out there. That's probably when you actually do need to go out to the people who give you support. Absolutely. Right? But when you're overwhelmed, it's like, oh, now I'm just going to hide here under my covers. Yeah. But when that overwhelm has now moved into an anxiety disorder, right. you know, that leaving the house like an agoraphobia is like. That's mm. just, you know, the breath is taken away and shaking, and it's horrible what people I've, I've seen. Um, so the, it was reported in a, a Harvard Business Review, a very respected magazine, uh, in 1994 by a fellow by the name of Perkins, that he, in fact, had proven in, through his studies that uh, 70 to 90% of all visits were stress-related to doctors at that time. Yeah, so that just actually just proves what you just said earlier, right? Yeah, at least we've got a study to go with it. So we've got a couple studies now that are pointing to that, right? Uh, oh, big time, big time. Yeah, I just know on my own client base, I see a lot of people who are very, you know, they're just done. 
I'm done. Yeah, yeah. Right? There's exactly. too they're, much to worry about. They're baked. Yeah. Just too much, right? <laughs> Speaking of baked, uh, we need to take a break. Let's um, do it. We will um, take a break here. There are a couple of commercials, and we will be coming back to uh, take a look at stress for success and other myths. <laughs> we'll be right back. on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world and that includes you visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental dynamic educational environment we believe learning is much more than just theories it is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. Become a member of voiceamerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. We're on Facebook along with some of the greatest minds of the world, and that includes you. Visit us on Facebook at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Vidal and Dr. Jan Hill. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now, Back to things worth considering. Hi, and welcome back. I'm uh, Gord Riddell, and I'm here with Jan Hill, and we're talking about stress. Um, we use a really important subject that's sort of being very overlooked, unfortunately, and uh, it has a lot of implications for a lot of people, you know. Um, so we were just talking about, uh, you know, what are some of the kind of like the things that, what, do you, what stresses you out, Jan? What stresses you out? Okay, so my stressors, this is the thing. I don't have gigantic stressors. I have the little stressors. Like, you know, like, yeah. So, for example, you know, I look after um, really dying animals a lot, right? So, (laughs) I go pick them up from the morgue where they already practically have their toe tag on, and I try and rehabilitate them. But anyway, so what stresses me out? The cat morgue or dog morgue, you know, that sort of thing. Isn't that where we have, like, things that are dead already? Practically. Oh, practically. Yeah, they're early. Oh. So, um, okay. yeah. And so, you know, like just things like in the morning, it's like, 
you know, chasing after one cat to put an eye drop in this eye and then, you know, got to wait 10 minutes to put eye drops in the other eye and then pop a pill down another one. And it's like, so I always find my stresses are related to time, actually. How much time do I have to do something? And, you know, it's very interesting to me because often people stress about money, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not that because I have a lot of money. It's just because a few years ago, I actually realized that if you, if you, like it's it, if you don't have any money coming in, right? In some ways, what I found was I, it, it freed up my time, and I got to sit in my backyard and uh, eat the tomatoes off the tomato plant for you know a couple <laughs> months or whatever, right? Because okay. I wasn't, yeah. you know, I wasn't, I wasn't. You weren't buying anything. Yeah, and that was what alerted me to the fact that my time, my problem is not really money. I can live off of you know like very little money. I don't have big needs or anything, but um, for material stuff, but it was time that I was lacking. And that had a big impact on how I changed my life. And I find that I go through these cycles. I think I cycle like most people do, where you have these periods of intense, you know, busyness, and then it'll be like, boom, you know, okay, now I get to sit on the couch for like a week or something. And it's like, hmm. So there's not enough time to like really develop something in that week, not enough time to really restore yep. yourself. And, you know, build yourself back up. But it's uh, enough time to actually keep you moving from busyness to busyness. Right. So you kind of, right. you know, it's like you're, you are your own enabling couple. <laughs> right. Well, you know, the, the uh, and, and people will know this just, just from their own experience that if you have a very high stress life, mm. high stress job, and now it's vacation time, get on a plane, fly down to the Keys, to the island, you know, wherever you're going and you just lay there on the beach, almost 90% of the people will come back with or develop, as soon as they get back, a massive major cold. I was going to say, I, uh, first day of holidays always. Or the first day of ago, holidays. I would get migraines. Sure. I would spend sure. the next like three days, you know. Sure, because our, 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 our inner dialogue was, I don't have time to get sick. I've exactly. got to get this done. i got to get this done. Get this. And all of a sudden, this week you're talking about rolls around. Now you got time. Yeah. It's time to do the sick thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite fascinating, yeah. actually. So basically, you know, the experts tell us that if you have a high stress life, you really need to have high high stress uh, uh, vacations. <laughs> Is that so? Like you have to have an adrenaline driven vacation? Yes. Oh, to yes. keep the pattern yes. going. So to keep the pattern going, keep mm. the keep the sort of the the body in in the the same sort of uh, uh, biorhythm. Um, you know, going skydiving, going uh, uh, under. You know. Uh, reef diving, whatever it is, but it's just lying there on that beach is the worst thing you can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which makes sense. I mean, the sun isn't really, really good on your immune system to begin with. It's great at producing vitamin D. That's where it stops. Right. From I, there on. It's I think what happens is people who are busy, busy, busy people and they have sort of high adrenaline jobs and lifestyles regularly, right? What happens is as soon as they go from busy to like sitting on the beach, you know, Nah, nothing's going on kind of thing that they interpret boredom they interpret that as a boredom instead of yes. sort of restoring themselves uh verse and then they just find that really really hard to tolerate because the the change is so dramatic right mm -hmm. so actually i was speaking with somebody today and we were talking about how to reframe that kind of process where instead of you know sitting on the beach or sitting on the couch or you know wasting your time <laughs> right, being bored, you could consider that your time that you are practicing being peaceful. Yeah, it's a reframing thing, isn't it's it? It's a skill. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think I think it sort of brings in a good place that um, 
not everyone perceives the same thing as being stressful. Mm-hmm. It's very individual, mm-hmm. and it's all based on perception. Mm-hmm. It's based on the the dialogue that we have with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Now, I just read an interesting uh, study actually on this that stress may in fact be contagious. Mm, tell me about that. Which was really interesting. It was up with these mice, mm-hmm. okay? So they would have a mouse over here in Mouse Park, and he's mm-hmm. just chilling, and he's having a good time over here. He's got lots of food. He's got lots of water, nothing nothing that would even remotely stress him. And, of course, they can do blood tests to, to figure that out for the, for the test. Now, we take the other mouse, and uh, they're, like, put through, you know, put through more stressful kind of an experience. The, the food and water is is uh, uh, rationed more. Uh, you know, the, the, the escape uh, being woken up from its sleep, mm-hmm. not being able to, like, run around uh, in the same way. So what they, they did then was they took that mouse that was all stressed, and they put it over into Mouse Park. And suddenly the other mouse that's been chilling mm-hmm. all this time starts to get agitated. Mm-hmm. And it, its anxiety level begins to go up in a measurable way. Mm-hmm. Uh, cortisol being one of the measurable uh, pieces. And they repeated this over and over and over again, that when they put a, a stressed out mouse, <laughs> and they believe that this is transferable to humans. They have not, obviously, been able to do this because that would be rather difficult. But it certainly has raised the whole thing of, you know, do if you're complaining about something, do I take that on? Right. And that becomes my you know, mantra of, oh, my God, my life sucks. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, can we keep a certain distance from that? I, I think we can keep a distance from it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but but this whole thing of the contagion. Yeah, it's like an uh, emotional contagion, right? Yeah. 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 But really, it's more than just an emotional contagion. I mean, it's like, you know, you've got the, this entire body, which has got all these uh, right. enzymes and hormones and everything firing off all yeah. over the place. Yeah, of course, because the emotion is actually biochemical response yeah. to the body, right? So, yeah. So, of course, your body's going to do that do that thing. And it hurts. But, and it hurts. But, you know, it's interesting, too, right? Um, a number of years ago, they were doing studies looking at uh, salespeople who are really good salespeople. And uh, what they found was that somebody, or charismatic leaders, right? Yes. We often think that charismatic leaders, it's all about the way that they they frame language and, you know, uh, the uh, the way that they recognize individuality and they place it within belongingness frameworks and blah, 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 all that kind of stuff that's out there on that, right? Until <laughs> they looked at today's but, leaders. But what's interesting is that what they actually found is that they could measure in, in um, the amount of seconds how long it actually took somebody who had a very sort of positive self-attitude kind of thing um, to be able to come into a room and shift the emotion in the room. And so then they, they applied that to salespeople. And what they found is that the most successful salespeople are actually, in terms of what they sell, are actually people who are extremely good at shifting the emotion in the room. Interesting. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, And it just goes to that thing about people never remember what you tell them. They remember how they feel when they're around you. Right. Right? It's true. It's true. Okay, so part two of this study uh, was... If the contagion is going in one way, we're taking the stressed out over to the, the ah. unstressed. Can we take the unstressed and bring it over? Right. And and will that calm the agitated? Interestingly, only females responded to actually being moving into a chilled space. Really? Yes. It would not work on male mouse, mice, mouses. <laughs> huh. It wouldn't work. It wouldn't work. But the females, 100% of the time 
actually were able to reverse. They were either able to bring it over and be the contagion, mm. but they would also then calm right down. Mm. Why? We don't know. But that's what, you know, that's where the, the, uh, the study is, is sort of sitting at right now is where it goes from here. Huh. Yeah. I wonder if it has, I don't know. So we'll just go to my little brain and I think, I wonder if it has anything to do with oxytocin, any of that kind of stuff. Well, both of them, you know, both males and females have oxytocin. Mirror neurons. I yeah. know, but women are more. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, I'm not sure about that. I know. I know. I know. I think it's just repressed in men. Yeah. I think they've actually measured it. They count them. Dead. Well, yeah, it's been so repressed men. because of women. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-oh, we're gonna have a fight now. Um, yeah, so that could be stressful uh, going in that direction. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I stay away I, from that one. <laughs> where where we were looking was that you know um, stress is fed by fear, and yes. you know fear. It uh, here's a great acronym for fear, or as an acronym, and that is false evidence appearing real. Mm. Most of the things that we're afraid of, most of the, whether it's money worries, whether, it, you know, time time worries, um, we worry about our jobs, we worry about are we going to get fired, uh, uh, you know, will this still be around in, you know, a few hundred years, will my roof make it through another 10 years on my house, is my dog going to be okay, who I just had to take to the vet, all of those kinds of things, you know, yeah. that we worry about. And and that that's just fed by all this fear, most of which never happened. Or I would say that's the ghost of sometimes it's the ghosts of memories past. Yes, right? yes, and not just ours. Of not course, just ours. I mean, I'm talking civilizations' memories. Yeah, that crazy thing that you read. Yeah, you know what crazy thing? I read a lot of crazy things. I know. I read too much. Does it cause you stress? <laughs> no, it just gives me lots of Does stuff. Give you fear? Are you kidding me? But no, it's like the more that we're exposed, and this is the thing about the media too, right? The more we're exposed to the possibilities of, I don't know, somebody living next door to you going weird, or that plane that crashes suddenly in the ocean, or whatever it is that you're watching on the news, or whatever it is that you're watching uh, in your movies and stuff like that. As soon as that idea enters the mind, suddenly it can present itself down the road as something to be fearful fearful of. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, I mean, they're doing, they're, they're doing an interesting study here as to uh, uh, how phobias develop. Mm. And one of the things has always been like, why, why we would have a phobia about a bridge or a phobia about driving. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as you know, phobias can be horribly, horribly yes. debilitating. They can interfere with our jobs, with our lifestyle, mm-hmm. families. Uh, we can pass it on to our kids. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're allergic, to, you're, or if you're, uh, you know, terrified of snakes and you see a snake and you scream, your kid's going to see that and they're going to emulate that. Now mm-hmm. your kid, every time they see it, and, and is going to build it in. One of the researches that's that's going on on here is is that. Um, working with um, a panic, like an anxiety attack, a panic attack, mm-hmm. um, is once you have one of those, mm-hmm. you totally avoid uh, trying to get another one. And so what, one of the things that happens in that avoidance is we will not do what we previously did when we had the anxiety attack, mm-hmm. and boom, we have the birth of a phobia. Right, so you're going to avoid behaviors that would trigger that possible. Exactly, yeah, exactly. So right. if I'm driving and I have an anxiety attack, mm-hmm. and then, uh, you know, it, it's very, you know, disarming to have something mm-hmm. like that. 
or flying, and you, mm-hmm. have, you know, then uh, you're going to associate that with that entire panic attack. Mm-hmm. And, and the avoidance feeds into it just becoming a much more intense memory mm-hmm. and avoidance memory. Mm-hmm. And that will then stop, that will then lead into us having actually phobias. Mm-hmm. I think putting, I think the, 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 uh, the path that they're on on this research is really interesting because mm-hmm. phobias have always been something really difficult to be able to identify, mm-hmm. you know, where did it come from? I don't know, you know, but they're actually at least, you know, may not answer everything, but it's certainly taking us into a place that says here, you know, if you experience this here, there's a very good possibility that, you know, the bridge or the drive or the highway or the whatever it was, the plane, is is what you've been avoiding for so long then becomes your phobia. Yeah, I think what happens is often things become generalized. So in the beginning, you might be afraid of, I don't know, you might be afraid of the snake. And then, well, you know, worms are a little bit like snakes. <laughs> and those slugs are a little bit like worms, which are a little bit like spaghetti snakes. spaghetti can look like worms. Spaghetti, oh my God, exactly, yeah. right? So all these things become generalized. And in your neural network, they actually become linked. Right. So the the response that you're going to have with the neurotransmitter um, that's going to be in the neuroreceptor going run away, run away. Right. Actually, it triggers the same. The same uh, response. Yeah. Biochemical response. Right. Right. And the neuroreceptors actually are able to um, like the stimulus invokes the same neural response. And so the neuroreceptors actually become the ones that didn't um, cue into that before actually morph inside to be able to accommodate the this new well it was new to them the the neurotransmitter that's associated with the with the original phobia that's right right, that's right. they have to make sure that, that that highway is set up yeah but they just become more they become more plentiful over time so the ones that would have gone no i'm i'm a neurotransmitter dedicated to <laughs> chocolate cake right <laughs> suddenly becomes a neurotransmitter that's dedicated to identifying snakes do you have a lot of those neurotransmitters for chocolate cake i i used to Okay. Yeah. I suspected you did. Yeah. 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 You know, I used to be like a sugar freak, but, (laughs) you know. Um, Well, you know, I think we should take a break then. You know, do you know last time we we sort of wound up at this place with something about food, I think? Did we? Yeah. And then here we are again. That's a theme. Well, I'm starving. I haven't eaten yet. I know. Me too. Me too. But we can't eat yet. Nope. It just sounds really rude on the air. (laughs) <laughs> Unless, of course, it was a cooking show, which it's not. Uh, we're uh, going to be cooking when we come back, though, because we're going to take a look at uh, my theory of where fear and intuition play out in our lives. Mm. Intuition being a big one. Can't All right, wait to hear we're going to take one. a break here. Uh, this is Jan Hill and Gord Riddell, and you're listening to Things Worth Considering here on Voice America. We'll be right back. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, 
holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Vidal and Dr. Jan Hill. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now, back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, welcome back. Uh, this is Gord Vidal at here with Jan, and we are talking about stress. Mm-hmm. Big stress. Big stress. Yeah. So... Let me see. What 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 do we want to take a look at? I know. I think I had said something about my theory. Gord, I want to ask you, what's your theory of fear and intuition? I'm not going to tell you. Oh, my God. I know. I just want to you know, watch flirt. that hang on. <laughs> flirt with my brain. Yeah, it's uh, you know, a nerd flirt. I think that this, this, is, this is my take, is we were born way back when we have unfortunately uh, uh, maladapted uh, with a, a wonderful setup that uh, we had a very strong intuition when we were living amongst the mastodons in caves. Uh, they would like lurk outside of our door. Mm-hmm. So we were in there wanting to protect our family, our children as we we're trying to, you know, get this uh, whole human thing happening, mm-hmm. you know, and see if we can you know, dominate the world. Um, and our intuition would tell us, without having to look out, that there was something out there, that we needed to be on guard. That would then fire off the fear response. Okay. That fear response then gives us the adrenaline, the epinephrine, the norepinephrine, the whole you know pituitary adrenal uh, setup. Uh, but it was the intuition that informed that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the the... Fear was a response to that to take care of ourselves. Okay. So fast forward into the middle of New York City, into the middle of Toronto, L.A., and we're living in a fear response. Mm -hmm. We don't need intuition because it it doesn't need it to be triggered. It has been triggered in a way that it's, it's all we can do to try and get it even remotely uh, uh, under control, let alone shut down. Right. Like to, to try and reposition it the way that I think that perhaps this came about. Because, you know, what I'm looking at is, okay, we've got the major fight flight, but what happened to our intuition? It takes a lot of work for people to bring that forward again and to really trust it. Right. right? So something that I think is pretty innate in most people has been shut down, 
somewhere along the line, uh, uh, you know, through through I think genetically it's been, you know, basically because the fear has become such a part of our DNA. So let me see if I'm understanding this. So you're saying that the intuitive piece that would allow us to really those discern, are early warning radar right. systems. So that we so now we can't discern what is and what is not a real threat. That's right. Because our intuition is gone. That's right. Okay. So what so if we live in fear. Okay, but what if everything actually is a real threat? But I don't think it is. Well, walking down the street, you could be hit by a car anytime. In the elevator, you could get stuck in the elevator. Like, you know, we live in this world that is actually threat-infused. Well, I don't think that everything is threat-infused. If I'm out for a little walk in the park, I'm not too concerned about what's going on around me. I should be able to be able to calm down somehow. Huh. And we're not. Yeah. The heart rate's elevated. The blood pressure's elevated. You know, once that starts, you know, starts to happen for us, it's... It's very difficult. In fact, usually with medication, it's used to bring that back under control again. Right. You so, know? but I, th- I think hypervigilance is just an effect of actually living in a world where there's a lot of things that can go wrong. Maybe I'm just like super pessimistic. I think you're super pessimistic. Huh. I'm, I'm, I'm like Pollyanna. Because you walk in It'll the park. It'll be better tomorrow. But you know, like. I do walk in the park. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I mean? But when you walk in the park and, well, as a woman. You know, like being anywhere in public can actually be problematic. Sure. There's a potential. There's a, the reality is you have to always be alert. Sure. Right? Walking to your car, you have to be alert. Right? Well, but is it, elevator, is, I mean, do we need to be in a full fight, flight, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, response? I mean, that's, you know, the cortisol level that our body never drops down. The the epinephrine never gets, the mm-hmm. norepinephrine never gets really wiped out of our system properly. Uh, or, you know, adrenals are. I know someone whose adrenal glands are burned out. Of course. I think most of our adrenal glands are burned out. (laughs) Well, it's kind of an unusual situation. Uh, But, uh, you know, do we really need to be living at this level of heightened awareness? Like, it's actually life or death. Mm -hmm. People are living on the edge of that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one thing to have an awareness of our surroundings. I think it's just smart. Right. But do you need your heart pounding, your digestive system being emptied out, you know, close to vomiting or diarrhea, you know, all the things that come with, the, you know, massive impacts of, of adrenaline that courses through our bodies. Yeah, I get that. I, I just feel like that, like the, the, but the thing is, is that we actually live within like the contemporary culture is quite apocalyptic. There's an apocalyptic focus, right? So I think, I do think that stress is just a very, very basic human response and it makes sense it's an adaptive response that is just on overdrive but they just make it a right so response around us just right? because it's, it's adaptive i think it's maladaptive mm, i'm gonna have to fight you great i okay. love that because no because i Take think i off. really do think that it's basic it's basic <laughs> right it's a basic thing and we do live in a world that you know it's nice to be able to say well it's not as scary as we think but we're surrounded all the time with indicators that it is in fact a very scary place so well, yeah what are, what are i the might things not be mugged to my car but the potential of being mugged going to my car might actually be actually there but it would, uh, just being uh you know aware of your environment is is not requiring you to be on full alert Hmm. Like, you know, 100% radars and, and the whole thing, like a military, you know. Yeah, but if you're on half alert 24-7, that's what chronic stress is. You know, yeah. you don't have to be on full alert yeah. all the time. And what do we know about chronic stress? Alert. Chronic stress kills us. Right, and you can be on you can be on chronic stress, half alert, 24-7, and you're still going to have the same kind of results. You're going to burn out the way that you would if you're on full alert. 
Absolutely. You know, it does. It only takes a little bit of this stuff in our, to be right. wearing down our organs and so yeah, on. Yeah, right. But I get what you're saying about intuition. I do think that the... Oh, no, I'm not finished. I'm not finished. Oh, okay. Let's Yay. Go. No, no, I just want to pick up on the one thing about yeah, about yeah. what about feeding, the, uh, feeding it mm-hmm. is, is our media, our news is so geared to the negative, right. to the bad things, who right. was killed, who got flowers today, right. who, you know, who, who got you know, proposed to. We, we would yawn. Mm-hmm. We want to know the dirty, the nasty, the, the uh, you know, who's paying off somebody to send, our, send their rich kid, you know, uh, to, to private colleges. And, you know, that's juicy stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, people, people are, are, you know, we're geared towards listening to, like, CNN, 24 hours of the same news story all mm-hmm. the way through. Great people. But... You know, that feeds us. Mm-hmm. That makes us really nervous. I, I find that the news that repeats itself about every 15 minutes, the same thing all day long. Mm-hmm. You keep hearing it over. And even though you don't think you're listening, you are. Yes, of course. And you can feel this 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 tension rising inside of you, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that we need to, to really be aware of how much comes in, you know, uh, via the, uh, uh, you know, the, the media mm-hmm. that way. It scares the hell out of us. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like if someone gets killed on the east side of town, well, I'm really worried because I'm up here on the northwest side of town. Mm-hmm. You know, that could happen up here, too, you know. Well, yeah, and that's exactly what my point is in a lot of ways, is that we live in this hypervigilant world where threat is everywhere. But right? threat is fed to us. And but I think yeah, I, I think sure. the authorities, I think the authorities, you know, have some sort of a, a little control piece here. This mm-hmm. is like a big brother piece, you know, mm-hmm. is keep them on guard, keep them scared. And when we say, oh, we know what to do for you, that we're going to go, oh, thank you, thank you. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I'm, I, I just, you know, I'm not being this paranoid pessimist here, mm-hmm. you know, from, from authority. I have a little bit of, well, a little bit of respect for what mm-hmm. they're trying to do. However, uh, I think mm-hmm. that media, the television and radio nonstop is, is, is with, you know, that's why like the empowerment channel that we're on is awesome. It's about empowering people, not disempowering them. Well, right. Absolutely, yeah. right? Because the long term. And that's what it is to be, you know, to be a therapist and to work in the healing sector. Exactly. Right? Exactly. And that's, see, that's where intuition comes back into play all over mm-hmm. again. Okay. <laughs> okay. I like that part. You like that part? Yeah, because it's about people learning to listen to truly what is the message in the deepest part of themselves, right? As opposed to the thread that's always running through our head. Right about yeah. this, that, and the other thing. Absolutely, you know, everything that's that's a threat, right? Yeah, absolutely. And okay. and when we can realize that our biggest threat is ourself, we can we actually can turn that around. You know, you know what the other biggest threat to me is what smartphones because oh. they're not smart because they're not smart because they're not smart and they hate people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I I I just find the whole thing of texting mm-hmm. to be. Just over the moon for me. Well, it's distant, right? It, well, it's, it's distant. Distance. It's these black black marks on white, you know, on white. There's no emotion. Mm-hmm. There's no visual clues. Uh, I have seen fights come up because of someone using a different color ink. Right, you right. Know. Or people trying to actually figure out what's the subtext of something, right? Exactly. Oh my yeah. God, yeah, that that causes more difficulties. I mean, there's there's all kinds of kinds of uh, books written on you know the 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 tragedy of email mm-hmm. in the corporate world, you know. But what I what I find very stressful is the expectation through social media or through texting that 
you have to answer immediately. Mm-hmm. Everything's heightened. Who made this rule up? Yeah. Yeah. But we're we're going along with it. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, what's wrong? Why didn't you answer my text right away? Mm-hmm. Well, gee, I was in front of a classroom or I was uh, uh, on the air. I can't answer a text when I'm doing this. Right. You know, but it's, it's like, oh, all right. Well, gee, thanks. I guess that was an approval. You know, um, I just find it, you know, you know what I long for? What? I'm dating myself here at least by a day. I want to go what? back to the day of having corded telephones in our home, <laughs> which was attached to an answering machine that took messages throughout the day. Wow. And you would come home, uh-huh. and that's only till you got home, yeah. and you would play back your messages and see who called you, Yeah. and me- you would decide who you're going to call back or not. Yeah, for sure. It just makes it harder without our smartphones to order pizza. It's so much more civilized. And to like I can wait till I get home and call and order a pizza. I don't need to be tracked no matter where I am, whether uh, I'm on the yeah. subway, I'm driving, I'm walking, I'm, you know. I'm uh, hearing that this is really stressful for you. It's very stressful for me. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very stressful. stressful. You know, you know, it's even more stressful. And I'll have it in my lapel, uh, in my suit, suit jacket or whatever. And because I need to read with glasses, so it's wintertime. I've got gloves on. Oh. Beep, 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 beep. It goes. All right. Now I have to stop. I have to take off my glasses. Yep. Probably have to put down whatever I'm carrying. Yep. I've got to find the phone. i got to find my glasses, put the glasses on. Look at what it is and then decide, oh, it's it's like some sort of an alert or something. Yeah, yeah. You know, meanwhile, you, I've, I've like totally had to stop everything in order to answer this beep beep. You can make the text larger, eh? Well, <laughs> <laughs> it would have to be very large because I need reading glasses. Um, <laughs> yeah. But thanks for letting me know in, that, though. Yeah, this all fits into this idea of everything is urgent. Everything has to happen now. You know, everything is busy, busy, busy. And you know what I find problematic is how so much of what we do is actually offloaded, like has been offloaded from corporations onto us. And I think of just things like, you know, uh, 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 way back in the day when you'd get your visa bill or your MasterCard bill or whatever, and then you'd have to walk to the bank and do whatever with it, right? Okay, that's one thing. But but now it's like you get it some random email. It looks like it's random. You're not even sure half the time if it's real. Mm. And then, you know, it's your bill. And then, you know, you got to like go online and pay it and all this other stuff, right? And so I know it sounds like, ooh, boo-hoo, Jen, that's so hard. <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's At least like you have it's a constant, credit card. right? I find students... I had a bunch of students handing in 60-page papers this week, and a whole bunch of them wanted to email it to me so that they didn't have to take the bus to school. And I'm like, really? How much time do you think I have to print off, in this case, 80 60-page papers? <laughs> like, and B, who's going to pay for that? I am. Like, I need another job, right? So it's kind of like there's this offloading. Technology allows us to offload a lot of stuff to other people, and that actually becomes stressful, right? Because then your job criteria changes. Oh, great. Now it's my job to do this and do that, which are tasks that I would never have had to do before. Right, right. right. No, it's so true. Yeah, and who's going to pay for it? Well, you know? right. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, that's a huge that's issue right I there. That's why I just say no. <laughs> yeah, well, why don't you run it off on, you know, on and bring it in, you know? Uh, like in the old days. You know, but I mean, so you have people like that, that are multitasking at work. They're like doing their job and they're texting to their friends who are off doing something else entirely different. And their productivity is going down. They don't want to even begin to put the correlation together as to, you know, you multitasking is bull- it's crap. Um, yeah, it's hard, right? The, the there's no such thing as multitasking. Well, the thing about multitasking that's really interesting is that uh, all the brain research indicates that, in fact, of course, uh, you might think 
that you're actually being really effective when you're multitasking, but in fact, your performance goes down within every task that you're trying to accomplish. Yep. And this is the trick of it, right? Is that you can think that you're doing a better job and you can say, oh, that whole multitasking thing, that worry about multitasking doesn't apply to me. I'm excellent at it. Everybody <laughs> thinks they're excellent, but they're actually not. Of course. Right. But our brain can only do one thing at a time. Right. It can line it up. Right. You know, but it's still lined up. Exactly. And I think this kind of fits up into the whole stress thing as well with the media is the brain doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's not. Uh, Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why visualization works. Right. Exactly. And this also fits into why it is that we are walking down the street and, you know, the omnipresent fear is there. Yes. Right? Yeah. And and in fact, you know, we're responding because our our, uh, subconscious does not know that, in fact, what we're afraid of isn't actually there. Mm Mm-hmm. Because we can lie to ourselves. Mm-hmm. We did a whole show on that. And we do. We do. And we'll continue to do so. We do. <laughs> this brings us to the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just flew by. It just gets crazier and crazier and faster and faster. Speaking of time and Facebook. Quantum time leap. I know. I want to just leap out of this like time, time space continuum. I think it's, it's a whole construct that we've come up with. Exactly. We could just it go is. home. <laughs> Where's Einstein? Uh, so, uh, thank you uh, for listening. You can be in touch with us at uh, info at spiritgrows.ca. Mm-hmm. And we would love to hear from you. If you've got some tricks as to how you deal with stress, we would love to share those with other people. Uh, so, be in touch. And uh, we will be back again next week. And Jan will be here. And I will be here. And I'm sure we will find something else that we're going to be able to talk about. Mm-hmm. Or argue about, even. Mm-hmm. That's even more fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. We wish you uh, to have a great uh, week ahead, and we uh, look forward to you being back here next week. Bye-bye. Have a good one. Thank you for tuning in to Things Worth Considering. Please join your hosts, Dr. Jan Hill and Gord Riddell, for another edition next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, Think about the connections in your life and how they define who you are.